Greetings, Minecrafters, and welcome to another exciting discussion, another Minecraft discussion on all things well-being. My name is Dr. Kimberly Quinn, and I am here to help you become the boss of your brain. Today's discussion is definitely an important one um, because it, for some reason, practicing self-care can be so difficult. You know, we can take care of other people better than we can take care of ourselves. And not only that, but we can also sometimes often feel guilty if we prioritize our own mental, physical, and spiritual health. And so uh, I was actually doing an an in-person workshop recently um, at Champlain where I teach on on self-care. And I don't actually normally use PowerPoints too much. I do for workshops, but I don't teach with them for a reason. Um, but for, you know, when you have a lot of people, it's a little bit different. So I came up with this PowerPoint and, and I also keep them very simple because we can't, we can't see and hear stuff at the same time. That's, which is one big reason I don't use PowerPoint. So I try to keep them very simple. And so one of the slides in the beginning had a, a, had a picture of a woman, probably in her thirties, uh, in a, in a dentist chair. And probably like, where is she going with this? Like, Self-care, okay, get your teeth cleaned, you know, twice a year. No, it was, I mean, yes, but no, it wasn't about that, not at all. And the idea was that in order to practice self-care, we have to look at it as if we are scheduling a dentist appointment or a haircut or actually more extreme. If it's really, really hard for you, um, I'm thinking of the dentist on a level of if you have something bothering you, like if you've ever had an infected, like an abscessed tooth, you'll get to the dentist because you can't think about anything else. If you've ever had an abscess tooth, I have, it was years and years ago, but you can't think of anything else and you will get yourself there. And you know what? The world around you figures it out. Everything, if like if you're a new mother and you've got, you know, young kids or you're, um, you know, you've got, you know, 95 jobs and you're also in school and you're doing, the whole world will figure it out if you have to race to the dentist for an infected tooth. And this sometimes, sadly, can take this to actually bump ourselves up a few notches to practice self-care. You know, and and this kind of leads right into, you know, that cliche of putting your oxygen mask on first thing, right? So if, you know, when you've, if you've ever been on a plane, I usually say if, because sometimes I have students who haven't been, right? So for the most part, people have been, if you haven't, you've seen it on on the, on the, on the movies or sitcoms or something where the flight attendant will go through this whole spiel with kind of arms waving wildly to the sides of, you know, and the whole thing and they, and she or he or they pull a little plastic thing off and they put it around their head and they put their oxygen mask on first and they proceed to explain to the grownups on the plane that, you know, if you're going down, something happens, there's smoke in the, you know, whatever happens to put the oxygen mask on yourself first, because without that, without having oxygen yourself, you're basically of no good to anyone else. As far as, you know, if you're trying to help a toddler or an older person, you can't do that if you're unconscious. You know, as far as putting yourself first, and I definitely want to, you know, include all listeners out there. I'm going to say my own experience was as a young mother, way back when, because my oldest is almost 30, hard to believe, when we have five, we call them the Fab Five, fabulous, five fabulous young adults. They're just, you know, a couple of years, not even a couple of years apart. So back in the day, I mean, my hands were full, you know, juice boxes and everything like that. And 
and I want to just put it right out there that I absolutely loved it. My husband and I chose it. I wanted to be home. I found I found it and still find it to be being a mom and of course parents include everybody uh, the most wonderful and challenging job in the whole wide world. I absolutely love being home. So I just want to put that out there. And that said, um, it, it, it can be very very difficult for a, a young parent, at least for me, to prioritize themselves because it, it's you know the nature of things to put your children first. Obviously, you have to. And that said, you can put your children first and carve out. You know, and it may not be a lot of time. We had five, and I actually at one time we had four or five and under, and then we had Spice Child was born a few a few years later. And I remember finding it difficult just to buy a new pair of jeans, even if they were on sale. And I don't just mean because money is typically tight when you're young and starting out, but that's not even what I meant. It's just like there's always some place for it to go. So you're thinking about, oh, but I get the electric bill, and what if I get behind? You know, there's always some place else I had to go, and um, you know time and and you know I, I it was very hard to take 15 minutes to read people magazine because there was always you know there's always somewhere for that energy to go and I, again I loved ever I loved every single second of it and that said um it's good it's a good thing to take you know 20 if even if you only have 20 minutes because you've got young ones home and your partner comes home, if you have a partner, not everybody has a partner, which makes it even tougher, or a friend is over, you can have that 20 minutes for a hot bath, or get up, what I still do now, even though I don't need to, because they're all they're all young adults, I get up really early, because it's the only time the house is quiet, you know, it's the only time, and you've got to prioritize yourself, even if it's just small ways, and it's interesting, because there was a, a CCV, a Community College of Vermont class, and I also love love the community college of Vermont and everything that everything that they stand for. There was a class I taught years ago, probably 10 years ago in Mooresville, and I had the most delightful cohort. They stayed with me for four semesters, obviously two years, and it was a series of addictions classes. And uh, they got very, very tight because they're sharing a lot and, and, and things and a lot rolled out about this topic. And it's no secret that I absolutely abhor and despise the children's book called The Giving Tree by Shel Silverstein. No offense to, to him personally, of course. Um, I just think that The Giving Tree, if you've ever read it, should really be called Codependency for Kids. And I thought I might the only, be the only one who thought that way, but apparently not because a woman, I forget her name, came out with kind of like a, a, a spoof, I don't know what you'd really call it, but like a, another version of this because... It's just, it has, it basically it paints, if you haven't read it, it's about a tree, a beautiful big apple tree, and about, a, it starts out with a boy being little, and eventually by the end of the book, he grows up into an old man, and the story is about, basically the tree giving a little boy apples, and then, you know, it turns, it gives, gives, gives little boy her branches for whatever reason, then makes a canoe, and eventually at the end, she's nothing but a stump, she's nothing left to give, and at the very end, I'll just read you some of her her lines. Um, after all, this is when the boy's an, an old man at the way end of the book, like the last few pages. After a long time, the boy came back again. And then the tree says, she's a mama. She says, I am sorry, boy, said the tree, but I have nothing left to give you. So just quickly, I don't want to read too much. She says, my apples are gone. And then, you know, my branches are gone. And then I'm too old to swing in the branches, said the boy. My trunk is gone. 
I'm too tired to climb to the bottom. I'm sorry, said the tree. I wish I could, I could give you something, but I have nothing left. I am just an old stump, and I am sorry. And I absolutely cannot stand this book. Again, it should be, in my opinion, be called Codependency for Kids. and Because it, it models, because obviously, um, it's even been said someplace, like the mother-child relationship is like the next closest thing to like, you know, God's love for us. And I'm probably paraphrasing, probably the Bible. Yikes, I hope a lightning bolt doesn't strike me. But anyway, the mother-child relationship is just incredibly incredibly special and um and 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 the idea is that you're giving your bone marrow to your child of course that's how it goes and that said this book models giving our giving ourselves so there's nothing left and and no replenishing that's really what's the problem because it's healthy for us to take the 20 minute hot bath or the walk outside in the woods and when we do so, and I'll tell you, my, my women friends and I, we were all in the same boat because our kids are all roughly the same age. And so we would, it wasn't often, but we would go away once a year overnight. And wow, what it took to be able to go away overnight when your kids are little. I mean, you have to go with the sun and its planets. And, and the husbands were, you know, I'm sure giving the kids Oreos for breakfast and, you know, bacon bits for lunch and everything. But you know what? Once we got out of the, we cared a lot before we were leaving because it was so hard to pull stay-at-home moms out of the house uh, but once we were maybe you know 0.3 milliseconds on the road we were we were all over it we would go overnight um usually usually on what was called columbus day weekend now indigenous weekend fall weekend the sales and we'd do a whole christmas shopping thing just 24 hours and when and we, we would have a ball, we drink wine, order every appetizer on the, on the planet. And none of us really had a lot of money then. We saved for it. You know, it's just, but the point is we prioritized and it was hard to get out of the house, but we did it. And the point really is more about when we came back. We would come back to, yes, children who had Oreos for 24 hours, uh, but also we felt so incredibly, incredibly rejuvenated. It was such a life giving experience to be away for women on the freedom trail for 24 hours. And if you spend 24 hours the right way, wow, can it do wonders for you? And we came back as better partners, as better moms, because we put the oxygen mask on. We were loaded with oxygen. We were loaded with so much oxygen that we were giddy. And it's so essential. And it is just such a bad message. And for any of us to be, to be, to allow ourselves to be, be reduced to a stump. And I do think, I have to just throw this out there, that is, though men can absolutely feel reduced to a stump, I'm not saying that. I do think within the context of motherhood, we have definitely been conditioned, as women, been conditioned by society and praised beyond imaginability to let ourselves become a stump. Where there's, where there's nothing less left for us to offer but a place to sit on. I mean, it's really super metaphorical. And do I think it's gotten better? Absolutely. Do I think there's a long way to go? Absolutely. Which is sort of, uh, I think, a a podcast for a different time um, as far as women in the, you know, being treated in the workplace, doing it all, burning candle at both ends, blah, 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 blah. For this particular episode, the plan is not to let ourselves be reduced to a stump by, by preventing it, by taking the steps leading up to what society is really still encouraging us to do. 
I have to tell you, so that, that amazing CCV class that I ended up having for four semesters, at the last, at the end, we had a little party. We always had an end of semester party. Everybody brought stuff. And they surprised me with a copy of The Giving Tree. So for a split second, I'm like, is this a joke? Because everyone knows how much I can't stand this book. Anyone who knows me knows how much I can't stand this book. And they had taken the time, this wonderful, they were small cohorts, maybe I think like eight to 10 of them, again, so tight. And they had signed it and they wrote wonderful, wonderful things. They had signed it, but not only did they sign it with these, with these just very nice messages to me, they also rewrote, they rewrote the book. They, they kind of left the words that Shell had in there, but they, they added, you know, this and that and this and that to make it healthy. And not only was I chuckling and warm from the inside out with all the effort that went into this, I also kind of wish it could be republished with, with their changes because it would be, it would have actually be a, a good book and far more positive and healthy, especially for moms. Okay, so really here, so now we're going to round the bend and like, you know, what what to do. Well, one thing we have to do is embrace the idea of leisure again. And if you are a young parent or translate it to whatever your, your life stage is, maybe you are not even having kids and you are um, a career person and that and, and you and you got a big job probably because that's where your your energy is going. You might have started your own business. Who knows? And what we need to do is remember that there's the, the something called leisure out there. Leisure is something we do just for the sake of doing it. And this very much relates to uh, the, the show I did yesterday on the, uh, you know, sort of like the skill or art of puttering and hobbies. It, we're not talking about a lot of time here. And in such a, uh, in such a society that is so fast, so productivity oriented, so achievement, accomplishment oriented, we are really swimming upstream when we want to just, you know, knit or garden. And then, you know, there's, you know, I'm very physical. So, you know, skiing, um, uh, running, doing anything, you know, and I, I told you, I, I, I got into decoupaging when I was a young mom. Um, but something that's just for the sake of it, not about making money or being productive or anything, just because you just love to immerse in it. And of course, the art stuff in general is great for that. But we need to embrace leisure, doing something just because we love it for the sake of it. No other reason. Another something that's super important that um, was interesting when I did this workshop wasn't that long ago, maybe a month ago. And I had women asking me, it was particularly women in this workshop. It wasn't, that wasn't like, you know, the point of entry criteria. It just happened that it was, um, actually, no, there, were, there was one male in there, I think. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, is to, you know, in society, we're so big on to-do lists. You know, we just make them, you know, they're they're lengthy and often not even realistically, you know, possible to achieve and all that. What I'm asking you to do is to make a not to do list. If you look at your list for the day, or even if it's a mental list, I often have a mental list. I guarantee you there is one thing that is not necessary for you to do on this day. At least, at least probably, but start small. Okay. Make a not to do list, a not to do list. Pick one thing that you can just scratch for today. And this is a great, great um, habit to shift into or lean into if you can get into it. Minimize it. Another thing is obviously to is to learn to set boundaries. And that's a big one. It could be actually its whole separate episode. So I'll just try to keep it short here. Um, because boundaries are meant to keep some things or people out, right? And to keep also to protect. 
And Brene Brown does does a thing on this. And in her, I love Brene. She, you know, of course, Oprah's my dearest friend. I can't wait to meet her. Um, Brene, I'd also love to meet. She is just, we're all on the same track here. And Brene has done lots of research and she has found that with uh, the most the most compassionate people she's ever encountered, you know, like in her research, she's done stuff on this, are people who have, um, they, don't, they know how to set boundaries. Compassionate people, the most compassionate people out there are great boundary setters. And then she goes into explaining why, which is largely about what we've been talking about for many of these episodes. People, think about it, people who are compassionate set boundaries because they value themselves. And here we've done all these episodes, Win From Within. We've been talking a lot about self-value. They can, they, can, they can set boundaries because they value who they are. They value their own life minutes, which is why they can set boundaries politely and respectfully, saying, no, this, these are my limits. I can do this, this, and that, and not this. And no, I'm taking Sunday with the family. Thanks. No, I realize there's, there's another meeting that's just this once after... 5.15, but it keeps happening over and over. Now, nah, I'm sorry, but it's five o'clock. I've got some pot roast in the crock pot. Got to fly, got to dip. And they're, they're very, very compassionate people because they value themselves and therefore they can value other people. We cannot value and love and cherish other people if we don't value and love and cherish ourselves. It's like spirituality basics 101. It's just how it is. And boundaries, of course, <clears throat> excuse me, boundaries help us from, from becoming the giving tree in general, but and boundaries prevent us from becoming a stump when we, are, when we are no good to anybody else. And here's the thing. It's not just about being good to other people. We want to be good for ourselves. As far as we know, this is not a dress rehearsal, right? This is, this is the big game. And this is, you know, and this is a part that, that especially for me, for young moms, it's the hard part to get over. And it's also the title, right? Hashtag self-care is not selfish. There's a good selfish and a bad selfish, right? Bad selfish is putting our is putting ourselves first in just a bad way, you know, just not, you know, caring. And if it's kids, it's a whole bad thing, obviously, right? Self, a good kind of selfish is making sure that we are rejuvenated, that we that our cup overfloweth, so that we can give mindfully not mindlessly, so that we are able to just fully give a give of who we are. And in order to do that, we've got to give to ourselves. We've got to stay full. We've got to stay full in order to, to um, live our best lives ourselves, to then be that role model for children, maybe the role model for the world. You know, if you're doing all kinds of, of great things out there, and uh, those of you who are leaders out there, wow, you've got to take care of yourselves. Those of you who are going to be who are leaders, and I know some good ones, especially at Champlain, that we have some really good leadership there. You've got to you've got to rejuvenate. You've got to keep yourself rejuvenated and replenish the well in order to be good parents, good leaders, good partners, mostly good to yourself. And this, of course, prevents burnout because, as it said, as it says, I don't know who said it, but somebody smart said it. Prevention is the best medicine. So that's often meant in the physical realm, right? If we, if we eat right and reduce the sugar, drink less caffeine, alcohol, yada, 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 salt, the whole thing, then we are staving off potential dis-ease of the body. And that's far easier and less expensive than waiting for something to happen that's really, really bad. And then we're trying to, um, you know, 
fix it, heal it, you know, even have surgery or something. I mean, obviously it's much better to prevent all the way along for a healthier, happier body. And this is also true in the mental health realm. Prevention of burnout is better than trying to recover from burnout. It's really hard to recover from burnout because when we reach that, you know, stump phase, our mind starts to really question, do I need this? Do I need that? And it can be a whole negative spin that didn't need to happen in the first place if you took care of yourself along the way. And then lastly, one quick thing that I just love to do, and I, I got, I forget where I got the idea from way back when, but I was an, a young mom and I still, even though I'm a horrific gardener, I'm very good at buying flowers. And one thing that I got into a habit of as a young mom, and we were on a very tight budget and I just um, worked, I learned to work it in. I mean, on, on today's scale, that was like maybe eight or $10, you know, and that can be a lot when you're, you know, you're on one income and lots of kids or whatever your situation is. $10 can be a lot for circumstances, right? But I just worked it in and I bought myself fresh flowers just right at the grocery store, nothing fancy, often carnations because they're more inexpensive and they also last a long time. You continue to cut the bottoms off with scissors and put sugar in there. Occasionally I would splurge on, because I love roses, or my husband would bring them to me too. And I, I got in a really good habit of of buying fresh flowers and I would put them sometimes in the center of the coffee table or whatever. And sometimes I would put them in the bathroom. I'm a big fan of the tub and worshiping the tub. And they would, it's amazing what something so small can do for your for your mental health just staring at beautiful flowers especially in the winter or in northern vermont as you know and we can really start to crave color and i love winter i'm a winter person and to to you know in the guts of january or february to to bring that color into the house what a mental lift that can be and so that's one thing i learned to do for myself as well and there's more, but I'm trying to keep the podcast up to about 20 minutes and the videos to like 12. So um, I know that people like to listen to, we, we've really become a podcast loving culture, I think, because we are so sick of looking at a screen. We're just so sick of it. That's why I try to keep the videos shorter. Um, but podcasts we can plug into and garden and do whatever. So anyway... I think this is a great place and a very natural stop. Thank you for listening, everyone. This is Kimberly Quinn signing off from Northern Vermont. Have a mindful day.